Well, this fall, maybe about three months ago, Rachel and I got really, really brave. And we went back to Long Acres, up north just a little bit, and we took on the corn maze yet again with the three kids. Here enters the bravery. We did it the first uh, year that we came when it was, you know, Sans kids. Um, and it was probably the most challenging of the corn mazes we had taken on uh, even since then. But amidst trying to get the kids to not kill each other for battling over which corner of the map each one's going to get to hold on to, we're all trying, we're trying to find these waypoints along the whole map. You know, they give you the map in like little, they divide the map into 12 different parts and you get a little tiny corner each waypoint that you find. And eventually, every corner looks the same and every corn looks the same. And every patch of dirt in front of us looks the same. And the only thing that changes from minute to minute to minute is the cyclical line of kids wanting to be on my shoulders one at a time and who's going to be on my shoulders at each particular point. Here's the thing we learned about mazes. They're so much easier when you're not stuck in the weeds. When you get to see the big picture, you see it from, you know, the maze from 100 feet up, and it's like, oh, that's how you do it. Duh. Why couldn't we see that when we had the corn eight feet up over our heads? And we see that in today's story. Where today's spotlight character, if you will, finally one that's not getting along in years, you know, we're going to see that the Christmas story is not just people who are, for people who are 90 and over. So I think most of us fall under that, so all right, we're good with saying that with this audience. But she risks missing the big picture because she gets caught. She gets caught in the danger of the details. Now, the story you are probably familiar with, but we're going to break it up a little bit here, so maybe it'll hopefully sound a little bit fresher. You'll have a a little bit different perspective on it. We're going to start off with Luke 1, 26 to 30. It starts like this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let's consider just for a second this girl's background. As I said, she's, she's the other end of the spectrum from those who are getting along in years, the other characters we've been looking at these last few weeks, all the way down to probably about 15. But we know she's certainly of deep Jewish descent. Her and her fiancé, Joseph, are, are coming from the line of David, from the descendants of David, which becomes an important thing later on. Now, it's not out of the norm that she's going to experience an angel visit. We've seen a couple of different angel visits in this story between um, Zechariah and, and um, Joseph eventually on his, his visit. 
So she's not so much thrown off by the fact that there's an angel there, although that would certainly throw me off just a wee bit. But she's like, what kind of greeting is this? Greetings, favored one, he says. Greetings, one who has received the full load of grace. So that idea, grace and favor, really come from the same word. The word kars, which we often translate as well as gift. Yeah, there's all, there's, it's rare that there is so much packed into how a word translates, but that's certainly one of them. You think of a gift and, and so much comes out of it that counts for favor, that counts for grace. It's a common phrase across a lot of scripture um, to find favor with God, to find grace with God, or to have, experience a gift with God. Noah gets it, um, finds favor with God. Moses gets it. The, the, that depth that I refer to is that it says nothing about Mary, that she happens to be one who receives such a gift. It says everything about the giver. Everything about the Lord who you have found, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, you have found grace, you have found a gift from God, or with God. And like the shepherds that we had talked about last week, who rightfully freak out when an angel comes and visits, that would be me. Gabriel's kind enough to give her a reason not to fear In Luke 1.30, the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. Kind of a theme that comes up that every time the angels say, Hey, they have to say, Relax. Don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. So she's devout. Comes from a deeply Jewish descent. So it makes sense. Okay, she might be one who might receive this gift of of grace, Because this idea that the good news is for all people has, is still in its infancy. It's still not really grown yet. As Simeon will eventually say, as we had talked about, where he holds salvation for all people in his hands. That's still sort of starting out. But contrast that idea. Here's this person who, of everybody that might have prayed for it, receives this gift of grace. And she's from Nazareth. I mean, it's like the New Jersey of the Eastern Time Zone. Nazareth is the stale fruitcake that gets getting passed around among people like from overthrow to overthrow to overthrow. I don't want this. You take it. No, I don't want this. You take it. You take Nazareth. You take Galilee. We don't want it. Fast forward just a little bit about... 30 or so years, to Jesus as a fully grown man. And he is getting ready to start off his ministry. And he's calling his disciples. Been watching, been praying over who it is. And some of the guys get together. They start talking about this Jesus who, who they're like, well, there's something different about this guy. And we read in John 1, 45 through 46. Philip, one of them, found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Big picture. We found the one that all these people have been talking about. We're going to see this theme come up. He's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. 
He's given us such, like, generations worth of hope. We have found the one. Nathaniel said to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says, come and see. It's amazing how Nathaniel and Mary are related. We'll get there. Here's the thing. If I'm picking a team, this is happening as Jesus is getting ready to choose his disciples. If I'm going to pick a, a team of an entourage to pour myself into, first rule, don't diss my hometown. Or you're getting caught. Second rule, don't, don't cheer for the Packers. That happens, you're just, no, 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 no. The two kind of go together. Of course, Jesus finds them all in Galilee. In this stale fruitcake that just keeps getting passed around. What's well, ironic? That this place considered the junkyard by the Jews. It's a place where Jesus does like 95% of his ministry. But let's bring this back to Mary here. As a devout Jew, she's one who, and many others as well, probably knew all the prophecies, all the writings of Isaiah and Micah that had been talking about this Messiah that would be coming. Many of them probably prayed for the chance to play a part in the story. And despite her relative lack of life experience, I mean, how much life can she have under her belt at 15? No fault of hers. Despite the shady hometown heritage that she comes from, if I can say it that way, Gabriel gives this to her. He says, and now... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary then said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? Just like Nathaniel. Who is given, and I've made, finally made this connection as I'm standing up here talking about it. Just like Nathan, who gets the big picture news. We have found the one that Moses, generations before, was writing about. And everybody since had been writing about. And, and Nathaniel's like, how can anything good come from Nazareth? And in the breath of the news that Mary's being given by an angelic visit. She's caught in the how detail. Now, it's not hard to think about, to consider the idea that she will eventually conceive and bear a son. I mean, she's engaged. She knows who her husband's going to be. It, eventually, children kind of become a part of that story, especially back then when you wanted to have children to be able to carry your name forward. And if the, if the child has to be named, she says, all right, cool. Gabriel, we can do that too. We'll get around to that. And she hears the news in wording that a devout Jew of her heritage would have picked up on. She knows that the Messiah is going to come from the house of David. That's why I said it was, so, it was very important that both 
Mary and Joseph came from that lineage, from that line. And we see similar in the Psalms, similar kind of language. Out of Psalm 80, 89. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once and for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His line, which Mary and Joseph are a part of, and Jesus will be a part of, his line will continue forever. And his throne endure before me like the sun. They don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. Maybe even... The psalmist didn't know. But Gabriel tells Mary in very similar language. Again, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He, your son Mary, the one that will be sitting this far away from you in a feed trough. He is the one Israel has been waiting for since these words were written generations ago. That's the big picture. And where is Mary caught? She's caught in the weeds. How? How can this be? It's not like Zechariah earlier on, who, who didn't believe when the same angel came and, and got the... I'm Gabriel, and I told you why that's how you know this is going to happen. Zechariah didn't believe. He got his mouth zipped for nine months till John the Baptist was born. Mary wants an explanation. Or Zechariah wanted evidence. But she's stuck on the nine-month detail and misses the 900-year big picture. Kind of sounds like another Mary story. As Jesus is, again, full grown, in the midst of his ministry, we read of another Mary in Luke 10. Now as they went on their way, they entered, he entered, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, different Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Jesus, my sister's not helping. Tattletale. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. And Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This Mary gets it right. Gets the big picture. She has the chance, and she sits at Jesus' feet. What's Martha doing? What's Martha pulling her hair about? Making sure the salad bar is full. She's caught in the details. Now, yeah, if I'm entertaining the salvation of the world, yeah, okay, I want to make sure the salad bar is full. I get that. If I'm entertaining you guys, I want to make sure the house is cleaned up. I get that. We've certainly pulled our hair out trying to do that on occasion, too, certainly. But she's caught in the details and she misses the chance 
to just sit at the feet of our Savior. Maybe that's why the contrast in the story jumped out at me this week. So I'm trying to look through the story and, all right, what, what's the message this time of this story that I've preached half a dozen times and you guys have probably heard half a dozen billion times? It's how often does Christmas get caught in the danger of the, we- of the details? Even if the struggle isn't about getting ready for a party or buying 500 gifts and all that sort of stuff that happens around this time of year. Yeah, we often knock on commercialism and, you know, all the... Black Friday is now the entire month of... the entire season of fall. And sure, there's danger that can come out of that and everything like that, and we get wrapped up in that sort of thing. But honestly, to date, since Thanksgiving, I think I've Christmas shopped for about 20 minutes. And I still told Rachel the other day, you know what? I think I'll get the chance to actually think about Christmas on December 25th. And the shopping had nothing to do with it. Maybe the big picture. Maybe the big picture is getting to spend time with your family. And I know, certainly over the last week, it's escalated. Um, I have to actually tell myself, stop. Stop doing the writing and the reading and the, the study and the crafting the liturgy and which songs and all, all the details. And just hang out with your kids. Just hang out with Rachel. Just be present with them. I hope certainly a part of it, part of the big picture is the wonder and the worship that comes out of the miracle of this story that's unfolding before our eyes. So let's see just a little bit more of the big picture that Gabriel's giving to Mary. We're going to finish out the story, as you may know it, um, verses 35 through 38. Mary's asked the question. The angel said to her, The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, just in case you need a little help, Mary, now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. The world said, you're cursed because you can't have children. God said, watch this. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. John Piper, in going over this section of the big story, he lays out seven nuns of this babe that's going to sit, starting off probably something about that size, only a whole lot of there. And when you catch these, the big picture just starts to get bigger and bigger with every phrase. That he was born of a virgin. 
we see in verse 34. Full on humanity. There is none more human than Jesus. He would be called, in verse 35, he would be called the Son of God. There is none more divine. And that that tension, 100% human, 100% God in one person. Necessary for all this story to make sense, to happen. He's called a king. Verse 32 and 33. He'll have a throne, he'll have the throne of his ancestor. He will reign. There is none stronger than Jesus. He will reign forever. Verse 33, outlasting all his adversaries. They will all go the way of the dodo bird. Jesus lasts. There is none longer. He is holy. The angel says in verse 35, there is none pure. He will be named Jesus in verse 31. Jesus, a derivative of the Hebrew name Joshua. Yeshua, God saves. There is none more needed than him. He will be great, Gabriel says in verse 32. There is none more worthy of worship. And this big picture announcement reminds us that Christmas calls us to wonder and to worship this little baby. Probably this thing would have been like the biggest crib in the world for the Savior of humanity. So this week, maybe it's a good thing we start printing out the passage that I'm actually going to dive into in the bulletin. Because I want you to reread Gabriel's words to Mary. Which contain all of these nuns that I've been putting out. Not to rush through it. Not to, maybe not even to memorize it like Sarah did. Certainly not to give you one more thing to cross off your to-do list the week before Christmas. Because I know how the to-do lists are still going like non-stop. But so you can remember and be reminded how great and how awesome is he that left the glory of heaven so that we could be healed. Let's pray together. Lord, for that gift, we are truly amazed. Help us, help us like children to, to just sit in that wonder. To sit in that amazement. To not process it with all our left brainness and try and make sense of everything and just and have an answer to everything. But to just bask in the fact that you, the one with all these nuns after your character, were willing to come to save us. To have a relationship with us through Jesus. Help us to live into that well, so that you may experience glory and honor, and we may experience abundant life, we pray. Amen.